All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, and we are going to be breaking or going to be recapping Week Three in the NFL, looking ahead or previewing Week Four on FanDuel and DraftKings, talking about some of the injury stuff, the the performances. I'm stuttering out because there were so many big ones. I'm already losing my mind about how many big performances there were in Week Three. Performances from uh, the week that was. Try to figure out some of this injury and some of this, uh, just some of these guys that maybe are kind of sort of out of nowhere. It was a, I mean, you want to give your overall thoughts here on week three? I have a couple things I want to throw out there. I have one major complaint that I've been thinking about, but what are your overall thoughts on how week three went? Uh, we can kind of get into what I have a bone to pick with and then some of the stuff <laughs> that, that happened. Well, one, I think one kind of casual observation I have, or, and it's, it's a question as well, is with the success of these backup quarterbacks now. Yeah. I can. I, I'm old enough to remember a time, Doug, when a backup quarterback came in and your season was just completely over, right? Like, remember? I, I just feel like there was this long stretch in the NFL, maybe for the NFL's entire history, where they just couldn't even find 30 good quarterbacks, much less like 45 or 50 or whatever. And these days, it sure seems like teams are doing a much better job equipping their backups with at least, you know, getting occasional reps with the first team, or who knows what what it is exactly they're doing, but. The fact that so many guys, guys that people really didn't have as huge prospects, even guys like Daniel Jones, who was a widely panned pick on the first round, guys like Kyle Allen, who people weren't especially bullish on, the fact that guys like this can come in and just run the offense totally capably, or in Daniel Jones's case, be a huge upgrade over his starter, I think that's just very strange. That just, that just wasn't how it was 10 years ago. And yeah, I don't know if it's the NFL adapting or... You know, colleges and NFLs, like or colleges and NFLs, college teams and NFL teams running uh, similar schemes. I, I know there's been some convergence uh, in the offenses, so like the quote unquote pro style offense isn't as big a factor anymore. But what's your take on that? I mean, should we just be like jumping all over guys like Kyle Allen at four thousand on DraftKings in the future, or is this just a you know one of those statistical aberrations? Yeah, I think I, I was going to, this was one of my notes for later, so I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. But the I do think that in these two, the Jones and Allen factors, forget their performances for one second. There's, in these two situations, I think it was, we were speculating that going into this week that there was a chance that these two guys were just upgrades over the guys that they were, Manning for sure. It was, it was going to be hard to be worse than how bad Eli Manning was to start, right? Like he's been so bad that, it really did stand to reason that you know, almost whoever came in was going to be an upgrade over Manning. And Cam had really been trending in the wrong direction, too. So I think I kind of think it's like an anomaly situation. Now, it doesn't totally explain why they were just so good in general. Maybe it's just like that kind of freewheeling, nothing to lose, uh, playing with house money, whatever the cliche you want to use, that these guys were sort of rolling with, that what do they have to lose? Like they were, they were displacing sort of franchise kind of guys that were on the downtrend of their career. And if you could get in and just be on those teams, they they – it's probably a little different from a weapons perspective for Allen because he just had some guys to work with. The Daniel Jones thing, I really can't. It came out of nowhere. Giants fans who took a victory lap in that one. But, that, I mean, it's easy to forget. Like, Luke Falk came in. He's, he was terrible. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph was no great shake. So it wasn't like every young quarterback was just handed the keys and just came Well, it's out not that they're firing. handed the keys. It's just that the story that we've been told in the past is that running an NFL offense is just so difficult that you simply will not be able to do it as, like, a rookie or as somebody stepping in who wasn't prepared to do so. And all the evidence pretty much backed that up. Like, I mean, go back the last 15 years and give me the list of really young slash rookie quarterbacks that really stepped in. I mean, Lamar Jackson did this last year, too. 
Um, you know, Mahomes wasn't a rookie, but he was a second-year guy. Like, I just feel like young quarterbacks were at an all-time high. Kyler Murray, another one. Um, yeah, versus... Yeah, no, there are. The list is long. I, I agree with you. I, like, well, By the way, the Daniel Jones, I saw this tweet. Daniel Jones' performance was the single best fantasy performance for a, a quarterback in his first game ever in, in history. That was the that was the best the very best statistical game any first game quarterback has ever had. <laughs> it's so funny that they just got killed. Yeah, no, the right. list and is then long. compared to guys it. like Jamarcus Russell, right, who was like the right. number one pick. You know, like there there's just been even like Vince Young came and had a good season and then kind of disappeared completely. I just feel like there's yeah, I don't know something something feels different now and I don't know exactly what it is. Doesn't yeah, seem Gardner like you have tons of good theories either, but. Minshew, yeah, he's coming. I mean, he was the, he was definitely running a pro style offense like in college too. Like so he and like he but he's like a, a crazy out of nowhere guy. Like that guy didn't even wasn't even um, really scouted to go to college. Like yeah, no, the list is long. I'm with you. I think it's I think it's really really interesting. Maybe these teams are just all getting smart and they're putting their quarterbacks in just increasingly positive EV situations as well. Especially like the smarter teams are just able to do this and. Maybe they're just saying, like, if you have a good off- a decent offensive line. The Giants do have a good offensive line, which is the quarterback play, which has been so bad. Like, if you have a couple of these things, maybe you are just going to have a lot of success. I, But I, I'm with you. I don't. I, I think I still want to take it on a case-by-case basis, I think. I don't, like, again, because I just labeled two guys that weren't very good, Falcon and, and R- Rudolph. And Rudolph has, like, you know, theoretically some weapons on his team, and he was pretty bad, uh, all things considered. So I think it is a case-by-case basis. And um, I don't really have a ton of other great theories, except we just might just be getting like this, like you know, this little pocket of run hot on these quarterbacks. And look, some of these guys, let's give them three weeks and see if other teams are able to figure them out as well, like kind of what they're bringing to the table. There's a good chance, you know, you're scouting the Giants. You don't know what Daniel Jones, is. you know, Eli Manning is going to be two cement blocks uh, attached to the end of his ankles, right. and then he's just not going to move at all. And all of a sudden, you have this like dynamic, pretty athletic guy who's just doing all the things that Manning has never done, and you simply can't even scout it. Like You don't even know what the, he's going to bring to the table. So there could be that, that could be some of the aspect of it as well. Like These guys are able to step in and be sort of successful on the back of lack of information. So let's give it like three weeks and just see if Daniel Jones is the next Joe Montana or not. Uh, I'm going to save my other rants because we end up going too far. I'll, be talk, I'll talk about this later on, maybe like in the game-by-game game podcast where I was going to talk about PPR and how stupid it is. Like I, I never really thought about how silly PPR scoring is until for some reason it just kind of popped into my head on Sunday. But the fact that you get a point for these receptions, I don't know. I, it's I, I, I'm, I, you know, real quick, I'll tell you what my new plan is. This is how PBR scoring should be. You should get a fr- the whole the whole hundred yards is one point. You get a fractional point for how far, how uh, you get a fractional point for the distance you catch the ball from the line of scrimmage, and that's it. Like mm-hmm. so, if you catch the ball forty yards downfield, you get point four points. If you catch the ball one yard in front of the line of scrimmage, which is obviously just an easier play, um, or like a shovel pass, you get like point. Oh, one points, and that should be how PPR scoring is going. So, well, so, so, I, I, so here's it. the thing about PPR. I agree. Like, I, if our goal in fantasy football was to determine the players that had the greatest impact and get points as a result, I think that your solution is better than strict PPR for sure. Good. I think the P- evidence period, against period, it, Stop. Just say I was right. No, nope, I'm going to continue. Up. I'm going to continue here because, <laughs> but that's not why most people play fantasy football. Most people play fantasy football to have fun, and I think at some point people realize like. There's really nothing worse than sitting there staring at, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, two catches for six yards or whatever, and getting points, six points for that. And so in an effort to balance, and there was this huge stretch. I mean, you remember uh, in the earlier days of fantasy football where like the top 15 picks in the draft, it felt like every year would be running backs too, uh, because we also didn't have like wide receivers doing quite the same things that they do now. Uh, Teams just weren't passing as much, you know, what is it, like six of the top 10 overall passing 
uh, yardage guys of all time are active quarterbacks right now. And some of the other ones are like Peyton Manning, you know, guys that, that have also been in sort of this fantasy era. So I think it's a throwback to a time when, you know, wide receivers just didn't do quite as much in a, in an age with Keenan Allen and Mike Evans and, you know, guys uh, getting the ball thrown their way 15 plus times as it is necessary for fun. I would say no. Uh, I would just as soon play without it because like you, I always just feel cheated when some random guy gets nine catches against me and it's worth the same as getting 90 yards. Like that just seems totally outrageous. But um, but I understand why it's there. People like to have fun, Doug. I know you're not in that group, but uh, but there are people that like just to have fun. I like to have fun when the constraints are correct. I like, I like, you know, there's lots of things that are that people think are fun that are just silly. Like sure. this PPR is one of them anyway. Okay, let's move into the week. I, you did cover, we covered the Daniel Jones, Kyle Allen thing. I think uh, the Jones, they just put up monster games, Jones specifically, and uh, we'll have to kind of evaluate what we think of them going forward. They both did see price increases uh, on both sites going into this week. So I, it's, maybe it's not going to be as you know, big of a question. You know, Daniel Jones is 7,300 on FanDuel already. So like there's been a, the price corrections uh, uh, happen swift <laughs> as swift uh, and ruthlessly on both of these sites. And I, I don't think we were, I don't know if we're going to have the same kind of discussions uh, that we might have had, like around Kylan Allen at 4,000 last week. But uh, there, are, there are some other things to wade through. The injury news that are coming out of this week, the, uh, the, the huge one is Saquon Barkley. Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley came up lame uh, during the first half of week three, did not return. He has an ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss multiple weeks. They were playing catch-up most of that game. It's a total miracle they won, too. Like, I, I wonder what the narrative would have been if uh, Tampa Bay had just missed the field goal. Like, Daniel Jones gets the nice cherry on top by getting the win, but they easily should have lost that game. Like, I, like the 35-yard field goal was a total chip, chip shot. That being said, we did see a little bit of Wayne Gallman, but not a ton, but it's also because they weren't really needing – they, they couldn't run the ball. They had to throw. Is Gallman – kind of vault to the top of this like punt running back that we haven't really had too much of this season so far just between these teams running running back by committees and just really not a whole lot of injuries to the position to begin with like is it too early to just call Gallman like a good punt play I I'm not definitive on this one yet but this but losing Saquon Barkley is easily the most fantasy viable non-quarterback that's lost that's been lost so far uh, to start the season yeah I would say I mean, it's funny because going into the season, Gallman wasn't seen as a premier handcuff guy just because the Giants were projected to be so bad offensively and, and Saquon is kind of seen as this singular talent. We've also seen the Giants in the past, like not before Barkley arrived, basically, uh, they were doing these poo-poo platter committees and there was never really any value out of the Giants running game. Uh, it was reassuring to me that Gallman was the only guy to get carries uh, when Saquon went down, you know, besides Daniel Jones, obviously. So... Yeah, I think he's um, absolutely playable. I think he's you know very very cheap right now. Obviously, there's going to be game script considerations whenever you're thinking about playing a Giants running back. But the fact that they were able to manufacture this huge comeback and that Daniel Jones looked you know accurate, um, he was scrambling, he was making plays happen. I think he's playable at pretty low price tags this week. Yeah, look, they're minus three home favorites. Uh, that's this is the Daniel Jones factor, I think. Like, they, well, now they play the Redskins. The Redskins are also Brave terrible. So, like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but the Redskins. This has almost as much to do about the Redskins as it does the Giants. Giants also projected the team total twenty five point two five right now. Like, there's Vegas sees Daniel Jones as just a clear, at least from a fantasy perspective. Probably, I mean, just definitely real life too. It's just a huge upgrade for that offense over Eli Manning. And it's funny about this total because this total, I don't think, is too different 
Saquon or no. Like, it's just to show you how running backs kind of just continue to not matter all that much, and quarterbacks are the real deal. Like, this is a still a, a healthy implied point total for the Giants, even though they're theoretically missing their best player, depending on how you want to value running, you know, the difference between Saquon's talent compared to league average and um, Daniel Jones, just how important the position is. So, healthy team total, favorite at home. I think Goldman will be an interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see if we hear about anything about Penny uh, over the course of the week, but we'll kind of keep our ear. Other injury news, T.Y. Hilton left the game early. It looks like he is going to maybe possibly miss some time. Uh, I'm not sure if it's just too early to kind of tell what the Colts are going to do. And the other guy was Julian Edelman who left early. Uh, but he looks like that was not serious, and he's going to come back, and they just felt like they had the game in hand. Any other – any kind of notes to make about these two injuries? There, I, I wasn't seeing too much coming across the injury ticker besides those three. Uh, yeah, so Hilton, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Whenever – like, Brissett's been good for sure, but the real question is, like, you know, is this an offense where we need to be hammering the passing game uh, with Jacoby Brissett under center? Like, if this were still luck, I think you could look at this and say – that, yeah, you know, spreading out those eight targets a game that Hilton's been getting so far this season um, would be extremely material. Like, so last week, Hilton had 10 targets. No one else had more than four. So I just don't know that we can look at that offense and really read the tea leaves and figure out where those are going, you know? So I don't think, unfortunately, that there's... I think people will try. You know, we saw this uh, with the Eagles situation, and you'll see this time and time again. People will try. They'll read the tea leaves. They'll try to, you know, figure out who's going to get in there if it's like Zach Pascal had a touchdown and, you know, Paris Campbell's there. But I probably won't be a part of that group unless we hear something definitive from the coaching staff. Um, real quick, before we get into some of these top performances, uh, the you had, um, you bet the... Not, you met the points for the Dolphins this week, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which true. I thought was good. I like I thought the the, the, Dol- the, the Dolphins and Patriots were well, look in in the old gambling just things just can only work out one way. There's no reason the Dolphins should not have covered that game. Uh, like they lost it, they ended up losing by 25. I think it was 22 and a half. Where'd you get it at? 22 and a half, 23. Where where was I know it ended up dropping. I got it at 22 and a half. 22 and a half. And they missed a field goal. They fumbled at the six, <laughs> like as they were going into score. And then Tony Pollard with the garbage time, the garbage time scramble for the touchdown when yep. they were kind of just like trying to run the game out. And they still and they still only missed by two and a half points. Anyway, if you think you can find other value going into this week, and we'll talk about some of this in the game by game breakdown, you have to go over to mybookie.ag. My bookie, uh, we've been playing it for years. Uh, I love it for – I've used it for NBA, for NFL, MLB during the season between the props, their specials. I, I should go back and – maybe for the next podcast, I'll go back and roll through the, some of the outstanding ones that I still have on there from NBA specials. Uh, and I think I have a couple from the beginning of the season uh, for NFL props. But you use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. You can double your initial deposit if you're a first-time customer over at my bookie. So mybookie.ag. Promo code OVERTIME. All right, we will uh, be right back. I'll take a quick break. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats. Use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets. Go to the game. You won't regret it. Uh, just real quick, going back to just betting this week, the other the other huge line from last week um, was the Patriots. I think they closed at minus 21.5 over the Jets. Another just a hilarious game because the Jets kind of lucked, boxed their way into, into some points. 
But the best, the, be the best part of this game was when the game was completely in hand for the Patriots. They bring in the backup, uh, Jared Stidham, I think his name is. Um, mm -hmm. He comes in and just instantly throws a pick six. And now the game is like sort of not – it's not really in doubt, but it's like they're back in the game kind of. And Brady just comes right back out for the next series. So he's like Brady, <laughs> head to the sidelines, ready to just take the rest of the game off. This guy just does the, the only thing that could ever bring Brady back to the game, except for like getting his leg broken maybe <laughs> like on, on a play. Just, he just hands them six points or seven points, just basically right back, and then Brady has to walk back in. thought that was funny. And, and by the way, uh, Patriots don't cover. So it kind of just was a double, double dip. All right, let's talk about some of this quarterback play from this week. Uh, do we just like need, I mean, it's all these quarterbacks, there's just so many good quarterbacks. Now you mentioned these young guys too, but even the, even the expensive guys are great every week. I, it's just, yeah. I, is quarterback so, I, I guess my question is quarterback so plentiful that we need not worry about these top end guys like Mahomes. Uh, Dak has been mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, Lamar Jackson, even like in his bad games is kind of like serviceable or there's just so many guys. We don't need to worry about the top end guys or, should we just play, be playing Patrick Mahomes every week? Because the guy doesn't even have to try. Like, he doesn't need to keep his foot on the gas, and they, they just throw us three touchdowns. Like, I just don't – I'm having a hard time evaluating this the quarterback position because it kind of just seems like everyone's good. And if everyone's good, do you just go cheap, or do you just go for the very top guy because you know you're going to get your points? I don't know. What are your thoughts here on quarterback? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I You know, the way I'm looking at quarterback right now is just that I'm not prioritizing any given quarterback, and I'm just kind of letting – it's like I, the way I look at D, the way I tend to look at DFS, especially for cash game purposes, uh, and big tournaments are obviously a, just a totally different animal. But for cash game purposes, I'm going position by position and figuring out where it's difficult to get safe money invested. Right. So, you know, last week we were looking at this, and I think we ultimately determined that wide receiver was going to be a tricky spot to get safe money invested. Right. So that's a time where we're willing to go down to Kyler Murray at quarterback and say like yeah you know he's he's kind of similar to all these other guys on a points per dollar basis right not on an absolute fantasy points basis but similar on a points per dollar basis to guys like Mahomes and Jackson we think the points per dollar will be there and so let's invest a little bit more in some of these other spots where yeah things look a little dicier so yeah I think quarterback is a very very fluid position right now um Quarterback tends to be this way, I think, where you can get a relatively high floor on a points per dollar basis without expending too much. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a it's a comfortable position. It's not a position I worry about on a week to week basis. So this season we talk about standard deviation coefficient of variation, and last year we talked about how Patrick Mahomes was just in a class of his own when it came to coefficient of variation, which is basically just you know uh, trying to figure out. Your, 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 how you fluctuate your fantasy, ba uh, fantasy points on a week-to-week -week basis as compared to your peers, knowing that Patrick Mahomes was averaging so many more points. So last year, Mahomes' standard uh, coefficient, CV, I'm just going to say, so I don't have to keep saying it, his CV was 0.24, which was like ridiculously low, which is even crazier because he was so much better. His CV this season for DK, I know it's only in three weeks, 0 0.06. Like, he's just doing the same exact thing every single week. Like, he's just, like, 350 yards, three touchdowns. Maybe I'll get another touchdown. Maybe I'll get a few less yards. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I, I, I'm just – I'm throwing it out there because, like, the safety around this guy, he already kind of broke the graph last year as compared to everybody else, and he's just <laughs> simply just doing it again. He's doing it even – it's even more – it's only been three games. It's going to even out a little bit. But um, the Mahomes stuff is nuts. Uh, what other quarterback kind of play stood out to you this week? I mean, we talked about some of the good stuff. Um, is there anyone that we're maybe starting to get soured on even a little bit more? Baker had a tough game. I mean, where do we go with some of these quarterbacks? We've sort of talked about the elite group, but now I'm actually wondering if there's a group 
well behind everybody that we need to really worry about. Yeah, I don't know. I, again, I don't know if I, how much time I'm going to sit here spending worrying about any of these guys because what's the point? Like, again, in, in DFS, it's not like you're wondering, like, ooh, should I trade Jared Goff away and go grab someone else? It's like, well, just don't play Jared Goff. <laughs> you just don't need to. So, you know, some of the bigger names uh, that have not been delivering, you know, like Goff, Aaron Rodgers is another one where you'd have to... I'd have to be pretty well convinced to run Aaron Rodgers out there at this point. I get that there have been some matchup considerations early in the season, but um, you know, just another week he goes out there with a sub-60% completion rate. Uh, it doesn't matter the tools he seems to have around him right now. He's just yeah, just not looking very good. Um, I, do, I mean, you mentioned Baker Mayfield as well. Are, are we okay now just like hopping off this, brand, this Browns to the Super Bowl bandwagon? Like that's... Like, is this just not like, can I, would anyone mind if I take a victory lap on the Browns aren't going to be the next, you know, 2011 Patriots here uh, when it comes to offensive stuff? Because they've just looked absolutely terrible <laughs> so far. This yeah, season. it just turns out your offensive line really matters. <laughs> like, that's really it. Like, the big, he's got no time to throw. Um, he's, he's all over the place. Uh, I've read some. Yeah, I'm taking 11 sacks so far this season. Yikes. Yeah, I've talked, and I've read some other, like, I, I, I'm not a film guy. No one, we've always been, you know, clear about this. We don't watch film, but I do read a lot of guys that watch film. You, like, you read Warren But I do, Sharp, I do watch follow, the Red Zone channel, so. Yeah, that's, <laughs> follow Warren Sharp on Twitter if you want to, like, <laughs> if you want, like, some really good X's and O's, like, doesn't pull any punches. We'll just show you a video. The guys, the the guy's excellent, so I was kind of just kind of take some stuff I see from him, and he made a good point. He's like, Baker Mayfield just has happy feet, and these guys, because he's just scared that he's going to get sacked because the offensive line stinks. Yeah, so um, it might maybe just more of an offensive line thing than a Baker Mayfield thing, but it doesn't matter for our purposes. Like, the fantasy production just hasn't been there. Yeah, maybe we can just move on from quarterback, though. I, I'm going to save Russell Wilson for tomorrow when we talk about the cash game plays uh, because he's my favorite cash game quarterback. Spoiler alert, going into week four, I think he's going to be pretty But this is what you always up. do, right? When you're looking at cash game plays, just to give people a little look at how the sausage is made, you tend to look at the guys who have been good the previous week. And, uh, it just, and just, it just run just there, right? we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Keenan Allen in a second, too. But, uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, Mike Evans, like, that's all. see in the article the secret, as well. Look, no, he actually, he actually isn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 secret, the secret to DFS is just see who was good the week before and just play that guy, right? Like, and then nice, just when, okay. when the price... When the price goes up a little bit, you just wait till someone gets hurt, and then that's really that's the yeah. whole thing. Is there, is there really anything else than that? No, no Russell Wilson. There's <laughs> Russell Wilson. Uh, I know he was great last week. It wouldn't have mattered. He didn't need to have been this good to, for the case to be made for him for cash game uh, quarterback. Okay, running back. I mean, is it just like Christian McCaffrey and there's nobody else? A guy. This is the, mm. this this position seems like the complete opposite um, in, in terms of what we talked about with quarterback. I don't feel like there's anybody that you can trust outside of McCaffrey. I'm still going to put Zeke in that class. They're not on the main slate this week. so I'd say Kamara's in the class, too. Kamara, 26 um, plays drawn up for him this week for 161 yards and two touchdowns. Also not on the main slate because they play – yeah, well, they play the – they play the category, Okay, well, he can so. still be in McCaffrey's category, right? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sorry, talking yeah. strictly for cash game because this isn't the cash game article, Doug, uh, or the cash game podcast. But yeah, I think there is that elite group um, – I mean, do you think Dalvin Cook is outside of that group? Cook goes out there. Yeah, he's in that group six, too. Sixteen carries yeah. for 110, seven yards a carry, touchdown. He's he's nuts. now he. I put him in there too. He gets the Bears this week, but no, he'd be um he'd be in that group too. He's a weird one because he's averaging so many yards per carry 
So I think that's actually affected his overall carries. Like I think the plan yeah. is to have him actually get more looks, but they just haven't had to because he just rips off so many just huge they just chunks score of yards. Too fast. Yeah. yeah, they just well they just they barely, again they have another week where they don't even have to throw the ball. Um, like he just rips off mm-hmm. so many yards and they're so efficient on offense. Cousins threw like like what like twenty times again this week. They haven't really needed to really kind of overwork him at all. Now, I, yeah, I would put Cook in that group. I I guess mostly the point is this group is really. Is, is pretty small. I think McCaffrey is just easily at the top of it at this point. I just don't know the team between the team and I guess man maybe I'm maybe I'm just oversaying it because some of these other guys haven't had the chance. But when we're looking at this group of guys, do we absolutely have to? I guess my overall point is we have to prioritize these guys on a week to week basis, just in a way that I felt like we already were last year, and now I feel it's even more important because the list seems to grow smaller every single season with guys you can really trust on a week to week basis at running back. So it's not that the list gets smaller, it's that, in my opinion, it's that the list gets consolidated into one price tier, and right now, like the running backs I really trust on a points per dollar basis, I throw Zeke in there too, you know, 70% cash game ownership, uh, touch the ball 22 times for 139 yards, didn't get in the end zone, but obviously like the uh, the opportunity was there in spades, but all these guys cost between, you know, 8500 and 9000 on FanDuel, so, you know, you can pick one or pick the other. Um, you know, you can make an argument for one over the other, but the real question is going forward, can we play guys in this next price tier down? You know, because you saw this week anyway, you know, people that went in that direction and played, you know, Eckler, um, you know, like like that next mid-tier group of guys, they got pretty much burnt. You know, Frank Gore was a cheap option. He wound up scoring a touchdown, so that helped the overall production. But, you know, guys people were fairly excited about, you know, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones. Even if they got there oh. on the back of touchdown scoring, the overall opportunity, like Aaron Jones, he had two touchdowns. He carried the ball ten times for nineteen yards. Like you want, this is what you're gonna, you're just gonna march into next week with a, you know, mid seven thousand dollar guy who touched the ball eleven times. It's ridiculous. Jamal Jamal Williams outsnapped him almost two to one in this game. It was like yeah, thirty six to twenty one. It's a total disaster. Uh, not, not our boy Rex Burkhead though. Where Burkhead came in, scored a touchdown. I'm actually wondering sure. if we... He if got we all those garbage down carries. It was beautiful. Well, and Sony Michelle stunk. Like, Sony, Sony Michelle has been so bad, and Burkhead was actually good. I wonder if we... I wonder if sooner than later we do see some kind of shift in the guard of, like, Michelle was just terrible, and he just really hasn't been all that good to begin with, and Burkhead just came in. I know some of this was garbage time, but he was getting carries earlier on in the game, too. Like, he got a goal... He got a down-and-close carry where he ended up getting in for the touchdown. I know James White wasn't there, but if they're not... We kind of, we, you know, look, I'm going to say this. We, we played Burkhead in cash this week when we knew James White wasn't playing. So I want to pat ourselves on the back from that one. And sure. uh, our Fandle, our Fandle, both our, our Fandle and DraftKings lineups get there uh, for the main slate. But um, we saw him as having an opportunity. I'm wondering if you think there could just be that similar opportunity just from the running standpoint because that really was the plan with him when they couldn't get Michelle going really at all in this game against a very weak defense. See, I, I, I felt like it was less that that was the plan or like that they switched off of Michelle and more that. The game was just in hand. Um, that that seemed to be the tipping point to me uh, when Burkhead came in and started accumulating carries. So I think it's still going to be the plan to go with Michelle going forward. I actually think we got bailed out a little bit on the Burkhead thing just because it was a blowout, and uh, he was getting those second half touches. And I would I don't be know, man. Super Fifty-seven snaps. Fifty-seven snaps to seventeen. That was Burkhead to Michelle. Fit, um, he, Burkhead was on the field for fifty-seven of the snaps. Michelle was on there for seventeen of the snaps. That's not a blowout thing. They just they stopped playing him. Like all the no, no I, other I guess what I'm saying is though, the car- Burkhead's carries didn't come until the second half, and that's where I would be, you know, a little bit cautious about just recommending him ad hoc. Like he was almost seemed to be like a, a pass blocking running back by and large. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. The, the carry, like the snaps, that's absolutely material. Like I've talked about before, though, I'm less concerned about the snaps, more concerned about the actual touches and opportunity. I think everything went his way this game, based on what we saw in the first half when he was touching the ball next to nothing. So, yeah, no, I, I just get interesting, kind of just, just trying to like poke into some interesting trends that we're seeing from yeah. some of these teams because it was mostly because I'm just trying to figure out where to go with running back on a week to week basis. You can't. Like, even when all, when all these guys show up on a slate together, like, you know, Zeke, Cook, McCaffrey, that's kind of, you know, Saquon's not there anymore. Le'Veon Bell gets a million touches. The team's so bad, I don't even know what you do with him. Um, I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where we're going to land here at running back more than anything else. Anything else stand out to you from the position? I kind of just threw out there McCaffrey and then just an overall feeling about the position. I didn't, I didn't really go too much into the, uh, into the, into the performances as we get anything to stand out to you here. Yeah, well, Nick Chubb, I think, is a guy who's kind of interesting this week. Um, you know, we're not talking the cash game article right now, but Chubb is a guy, 30 plays drawn up for him, 131 yards. Yeah, 131 yards. My mental math is still kicking in. No touchdowns, obviously. He's 7,300 going up against Baltimore. Um, Baltimore just gave up 33 points to the Chiefs. Granted, it's the best offense in football in all likelihood, but um, are we starting to get, to get to the point where, like, Chubb is, like, a little too cheap, given that he's... He's exactly the guy we thought he was in terms of opportunity. It's just that the Browns haven't lived up to expectation. Do you think Chubb is like the one underpriced commodity, especially when you compare him to guys like, you know, Eckler now 8,100, Dalvin Cook 8,300, McCaffrey's at nine, um, you know, Carson is at 7,000. Like, do you think it, Mark Ingram 500 more at 7,800? Tell me, tell me what you think about Chubb right now. Okay, so the two guys that I have biggest question marks around this are Chubb and Leonard Fournette, and so these guys, so Chubb, and I, and I, the problems in two different for two different reasons. One, Chubb is the third highest usage guy in the NFL so far this season. It's McCaffrey, then Le'Veon Bell, then Chubb. Now, theoretically, yeah, Chubb damn. is in a in a better situation than than Bell for sure. No matter what you think the the Cleveland problems are, they're still a better team than the Jets. Um, so from that point of view, I'm still with it. As you know, as long as they're without Hilliard and without uh, Kareem Hunt as he waits to come back from suspension, it really does seem like he's the plan. I would, I do trust that he's going to have a game. I just wish this doesn't seem like it's going to be the one. Like minus their seven point underdogs to the, the Ravens, who kind of play a slow pace to begin with, just how they kind of grind it out uh, with with Jackson and Ingram in the running game. So I, I'm with you. I trust his usage. I just maybe think that this is not going to be the week. And then actually, I'm going to throw it back to you with a guy like Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette right now is getting, he's 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 an every down back. Like he just he's playing every single down for the Jag, the Jags. He's getting he's actually featured pretty decently in the passing game so far. I think he has 20 targets on the year. Um, just I just had it in front of me. Yeah, he has 20 receiving targets on the year, which is great. I mean, among running backs, this is one of the highest numbers. Like uh, Christian McCaffrey only has 21 on this season. But then listen to like, but then Fournette just kind of seems like he's also just bad. Like he, last week, he had 11, his first 11 carries last week went for a total of minus eight yards. That was what he was looking at. After 11 <laughs> carries, he had, he had gone backwards a total of eight yards. Then he, but then he busted out a 69 yarder that ended up kind of saving his line. Well, you, you know, it's this is like one of the strangest things when you said Fournette and I pulled up his thing and I see long 69, total yards 66. Well, this I've is what I'm saying. I've never seen anything like, like that in my entire life. That is the strangest right, like, line that I've ever seen. So it's like, so I get it. Like it was kind of, that was kind of a garbagey time run too. And he probably actually should have broken for the touchdown. He got run down from behind. But like, he's clearly an every down, all the usage in the world back. 
No doubt about it. He's a top 10 guy on the season. He's 6,000 on DraftKings going to this week. Our system's like, oh my God, you absolutely have to play this game. But he's another one. He can play this guy, but he's another one. He's, a, he's an underdog on the road going into Denver on a team that's supposed to score no points. I just don't, don't know what to do with this guy. Like These are two probably problematic areas for high usage guys. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to throw the Fournette thing back at you. Like, What are your thoughts on him? Well, in DraftKings, you get bailed out because Fournette averaging seven points a game in the receiving game this season on the back of averaging just under seven targets a week. That's just so many targets for a running back at that price point, right? Like, what did you say the price on DraftKings was? Six thousand. It was six. It was sixty-four. Um, I thought maybe it was six thousand on. on it's six thousand on Fanduel. So it's it's cheap. That's just really cheap across the board. Six thousand on Fanduel. So nonetheless, no touchdown so far, which you have to think is somewhat of an aberration. Uh, for a guy who's averaging, you know, 21, 22 touches a game. Yeah, I think it's. I think you can make a strong case for it. I think especially when you get the PPR, uh, that really, really helps. You know, you kind of hate to play running backs that suck and that are underdogs on the road. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> but, but at some point, the price does become too cheap. I guess the real question will be, you know, what are the other options? And, you know, kind of as we were working through strategically earlier, like we, we decided the quarterback was not a position where we needed to pay up to find safety necessarily. I think running back might be, um, especially the safety you get from a guy like McCaffrey or something. That really can't be undersold on DraftKings or Kamara even, you know. Uh, Kamara's a wide receiver and a running back once again this year. So uh, again, not on the main slate, but as we're making decisions like that, I don't think you can just, you know, I, I don't think running back is the position where you want to be like, ah, eh, whatever, man. Like, because 6,400, it's just not that cheap at running back either. Like that's that's still spending plenty of money. It's not like grabbing a guy at four thousand or whatever. So um, I'm not. I, it's too early. I haven't made my cash game declarations for FanDuel and DraftKings yet. That article will come out tomorrow. But um, yeah, right now I. I can't, I can't say definitively whether I'd feel okay with him in my cash game lineups or not. I'm not even asking that. I'm also just asking, like, at what point, when you're at the, between the, the, the crappy team rock and, like, the all the usage in the world hard place. Like, I just don't know. Mm. I'm just trying to figure out, like, where we end up landing with guys like this because Le'Veon well, so Bell. So Le'Veon is, Bell is an example yeah, of where you yeah. can just say, no, like, it doesn't matter. They can give them the ball 40 times a game if Luke Fox is the quarterback and the team is going to get 130 yards from scrimmage or whatever. Like, you just can't play anyone in the offense. Um, I don't think Fournette's quite there, but I would much rather take him in a game where they're favored, if that if such games exist, <laughs> than, right. than games where he's going to be a duck. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my Fournette piece. That's why I like Nick Chubb so much more. I, I think you know if you're just comparing apples to apples between Chubb and Fournette as undervalued guys, we get tons of opportunity for their teams' offenses that haven't qu- delivered quite the fantasy value that you've been looking for this season. Chubb is the third highest overall usage guy in spite of a 30-point loss in the first game of the season. And we don't think that that will necessarily be the case going forward. Now, the Browns might be worse than everyone anticipated. And, you know, this this Baltimore game certainly could be difficult for him. Um, You know, going on the road in Baltimore isn't going to be easy for anyone. But I have to think that at the end of the day, his role is more secure than Fournette's. Also, just because I think he's more talented. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my my zoom in there. But it's uh, it's, it's definitely a tough one to dice. And it's good. I mean, if you just look at this again, like snap count, like Chubb's right there from last week. He played basically every single snap on offense too. Like he played seventy of the seventy-two yeah. snaps. So, all right, let's move. Let's let's finish this off with the wide receiver. Uh, we guarantee that Keenan Allen would have the greatest game of his career yes. when we just did everything we could possible to work him out of our cash games at the very last moment. It wasn't because it wasn't. It really had nothing to do with him. It was we were trying to prioritize more at the running back position. So whoopsie daisies because he had. 
uh, basically not a game for the ages, but pretty freaking close. Like it was just kind of ridiculous at the amount he was targeted. But I want to give you a stat because when we're talking about just players as compared to um, the rest of the field and how we value them going forward in terms of what they produce in terms for cash games, Keenan Allen leads the league in targets with 42. Mm-hmm. Second is Michael Thomas with 33. The difference between Keenan Allen's targets and number two, Michael Thomas, is the same difference as Michael Thomas and the 24th ranked guy in targets this year. Um, yeah. That's how it's, he, I mean, it's only, it's nine targets and only through three weeks, but it is not even close what Keenan Allen is getting in, in this offense compared. And I know this he had 17 last week, but he had, you know, 13 and 11 or whatever the previous weeks. Do we just have to just look at this number at this point and say, we just have to play this guy. Like the way they're using him, they have they're basically without the tight end at this point. Um, they are fluctuating with the running backs. They're, they, Rivers doesn't seem to trust any single other guy on the team, and but it still works. Like he still didn't matter. Like no no adjustments were made. Is Keenan Allen just like the Christian McCaffrey more in terms of safety that you get from him? Because like these these numbers are so ridiculous in terms of how many targets he's getting compared to everybody else, in, basically in football. When you when you look at Keenan Allen's season long stats, it just looks like he's played more one more game than everyone else. Like That's what I mean. He has nine full nine place. full targets, right? Well, he has he has four catches more than second place. Also, Thomas he has ninety receiving yards more than second place. He's tied for touchdowns and about eight and a half fantasy points more than second place. It's just like oh, I get it. Like Keenan, they played like the game in Japan, so they have like one extra game over everyone else. Like this is, it's it's truly insane, and he's still not priced like the absolute top top tier receivers. Now we've been running Keenan Allen since he was a young lad, since he was in high school essentially. Um, we are playing near peak prices at eighty one hundred going into this game for him. I think that is his peak actually. Going up against the Dolphins, who they're obviously not a, a scary defensive matchup. But they're scary in that you could just be winning by 30 at halftime. Any Does that spook you at all, that you'd be going into a matchup with a team uh, that just gives up so many yards or so much yardage so quickly and just runs himself out of game? So he might only get three quarters of a game here. Uh, does that matter to you at all? Nah, I don't think so. I think these numbers yeah, I mean, are so yeah. much better than everyone else. Because <laughs> when you look at the rest of this group, I, like – Michael Thomas still has Teddy Bridgewater thrown to him. I'm just looking down the group of the highest targeted guys. Like, or yeah, actually, sure. never mind. I'll, I'll go the other way. I'll look at the I'll look at um, the the most expensive wide receivers at this point. This is uh, these are Fanduel prices right now. So right now, Keenan Allen is not even the most expensive wide receiver on Fanduel right now. It's Julio Jones is 7,800. Then DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I could talk about him in the game by game podcast where his kind of uses has fallen off a cliff compared to what he'd been done in the past doing in the past then it's Keenan Allen then it's Odell Beckham at 7300 then you get Evans uh, at 71 um, and then the list kind of keeps going down so I don't think no I I think I think he I think you just have to pay for him I think I think until you get like a five target week and I just don't simply don't think that's going to happen I think that you just have to just assume that he's going to be getting I don't know, 30% more targets than on average than the next closest guy until someone else shows me something different. And just because of the way the team is made up and what they've just shown they're going to do to start the season. I, I have no problem with it, um, and I think that he's just the top guy to pay for. Uh, other, any other wide receivers kind of standing out to you this week? Uh, well, I mean, like standing out from last week in terms of big performances. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, I thought we had vaulted forward in time and we're now doing the, the cash game article. Uh, the the one guy that I'm looking at as well is Tyler Lockett. I think a lot of people going into the season were projecting him as this you know huge guy arriving. He has a slow week one, been excellent since then. Uh, 14 more targets last week for 11 catches, a receiving touchdown. I think you know it's not 
it's not necessarily sneaking up on you now, and we know that Wilson has those games where he only has to throw it 20 times or whatever, but Lockett 6,600 uh, going into Arizona this week. Doesn't that seem like something that people are going to key on and just be like, like, like feel like they're getting uh, a ton of safety there on a, a pretty dirt cheap price tag for this guy? Yeah, I already wrote him up for cash games. Yep, he's a, he's an easy play, I think. I, like, this is another guy, yeah. by the way, the stat on him, just not to bury it, he among the highest, among the top five most targeted guys, his conversion rate is the highest among that group. He's a converting, he's converting 79% of his, uh, of his passes right now. Uh, and that's just going to, that's that, not that it's set to continue going forward because it's really hard to maintain that, but the routes that he runs are just going to lend themselves to just a higher floor when it comes to just convert or just a higher number when it comes to conversions, as opposed to like, uh, Michael Thomas is a bad example. Like Sammy Watkins, like so far right now, like he's he's getting a lot of targets, but this, the conversion rate really hasn't been there. I'm not sure that's going to yeah. totally continue or not. Um, and we can talk about him during game by game podcast uh, or Christian Kirk just because like who he has throwing to him. So I think that I, I'm yeah lock it. I'm pretty locked into here from cash games. I actually think I think wide receiver not to totally bury it here, but it's pretty easy this week between Allen Lockett and Julian Edelman too. I'll save the Julian Edelman talk for for next week. I, it doesn't look like he's going to be hurt. Listen, we're already starting to go along, and we're going to talk a lot about these guys. Tomorrow, finish us off tight ends. I, 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 I do kind of feel like we're now starting to get back into the old tight end um, roulette board of just good luck. Hope it lands on somebody that that has a good week because uh, we had Ertz, Kittle, neither of those guys kind of got there. Kelsey's kind of still expensive. Um, any any quick thoughts on tight end before we get out of here? And Darren Waller's the goat. Just play Darren yeah. Waller's. You don't have anything to worry about. 14 targets this week, 13 catches for 134 yards. This season's George Kittle. Uh, getting expensive at this point now, but a fine matchup with Indiana this week, Indianapolis rather. And um, yeah, I think Waller's Waller's my guy right now. We'll see how that all shakes out. But I uh, guess we're getting a lot less safety at this position. You know, much to the chagrin of all the people that went out there and grabbed, you know, Travis Kelsey early in their drafts, George Kittle early in their drafts. We continue to see uh, week in, week out that or year in, year out, that tight end is an absolute mystery. Um, so between Waller, maybe Evan Ingram, he's another guy that just keeps uh, keeps to show up, or keeps showing up. You'd like to see the rapport uh, that he maintained with Daniel Jones, even after Eli Manning stepped out of there. Um, but yeah, those are the two guys right now that I'm looking at. Is anything like safe? And then everyone else, I'm, I'm just throwing my hands up in the air. If we got a clean bill of health on Mark Andrews, I'd probably be willing to go back that route again. Um, he just we had to downgrade yeah, him a little bit with the health stuff, and I'm, I'm with you on Ingram. I do think that the Jones thing—he made a ridiculous catch this week, like a Odell Beckham one-handed catch. Uh, Ingram—he's just like basically a wide receiver um, more than a tight end, but that's good. Like we want that kind of guy. Him at 5,700, especially with another week to work with Jones, could be a guy that starts to emerge, especially if, if, if Jones is going to start continue to look at him down the field in plus EV spot. So and maybe maybe I was too quick to, to write off the position. There are some interesting guys. We'll be back again tomorrow going a little deeper into cash games, talking position by position where we like some spots. I, I do think at least for quarterback, wide receiver, and possibly tight end, things are shaking out pretty clearly to start uh, this week, and then we'll kind of get into running back, and that's where I think that's where our bread's going to get buttered because that, that's going to be, I think, the hardest place to sort of discern where we want to go. We'll talk all about that tomorrow, and then we'll be back again on Thursday doing a game-by-game -game breakdown podcast where we go through each game and kind of reiterate some of the cash game plays, but then look into some of those GBP upside guys uh, that we can kind of sink our teeth into for big tournaments. Buddy, talk to you tomorrow when we talk FanDuel and cash game, FanDuel and DraftKings cash games. Peace.